this is a it's a special time of year to me and uh it's a time of year that uh i, I mentioned this morning in our drive time video sarah and myself do every sunday morning um it's that time of year you know christmas is special christmas is wonderful uh, but we get so caught up in the hustle and the bustle of Christmas. But in the Easter season, as we call it, uh, the time of uh, Passion Week, of Holy Week, uh, the resurrection, it's, it's a little bit less hectic. You know, we're not trying to get this done and that done and decorations and gift buying and, and all of the meals and all like that. And it's a wonderful celebration springtime everybody's through with winter by the time we get to this uh this place in the year and it's an excellent time for us just to to renew ourselves in worship and and just enjoy celebrating the risen savior if you have your bibles with you this morning i want you to turn to mark chapter 11 mark chapter 11 and we're going to read there uh, uh, Mark's recording of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem just as Holy Week or Passion Week as we call it is beginning. And in Mark chapter 11 we read as, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are doing this, say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway, and as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they bought, excuse me, when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks in the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went in to the temple courts. This is the recording in scripture of what we know or what we call Palm Sunday. And I want to preach to you with the thought in mind, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about Palm Sunday? I just I'd like for you to understand the, the background and as it was in the city of Jerusalem in that day. It was the Passover season. Every good Jew understood and, uh, had knowledge of the Passover season. Uh, it was incorporated with much celebration and anticipation. Jerusalem is packed with people at this time. For some 1,500 years, they've been awaiting the uh, arrival of the Messiah. It was anticipated. And year after year, people from far and wide would gather. They knew what to expect for the words of Zechariah, 
the prophet in chapter 9 of Zechariah, you find there that was recorded and diligently taught throughout generations that midway, someday, midway of the Passover celebration, the fourth day, if you would, it was destined to occur. But they've been waiting on this for 1,500 years. Zechariah's words would say, See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So 1,500 years they've waited on that. And now suddenly it's occurring. Well, for us, uh, we call this Palm Sunday. We don't necessarily observe Passover and take Passover in consideration like the Jew would do. But we observe it as the day that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey colt. Palm trees and cloaks are spread upon the path. And we read about the shouts as we did from the Gospel of Mark this morning. The shouts of Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So what's the big deal? It's the Sunday before Easter. It's the kickoff of Holy Week of egg hunts and and such things as that. So what what's the big deal about Palm Sunday to us? As believers, we, we don't observe the Passover per se, but yet we know the Passover marks much of what will happen in this holy week that we're entering into. What's the big deal? There's four things that I want to take from Palm Sunday and give to you this morning. The four things that I want to share with you are these. Number one, Palm Sunday demonstrates to us the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. Before creation, there was a plan. I want you to know that. God just didn't decide in heaven someday, oh man, I've got to come up with a plan of salvation. I've got to make a way for the world to be saved. In fact, if you read John chapter 17 and verse 24, you see that Jesus had declared His Father's love before the world itself even existed. Before God breathed the breath into Adam. Before God formed the planets as we know them and the universes that exist out there. Because everything is and does exist by the plan of God. Before any of that occurred, God had planned for a way of salvation for humanity. He knew humanity would fail. He knew, he knew that Adam would, 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 would crumble in the garden. He knew what would happen. And before any of this was ever done, God, because He is so sovereign, God had a plan. A plan of salvation. You see, sometimes we struggle with that. Especially as Pentecostal believers, sometimes we struggle with the sovereignty of God. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've had planned for several weeks the message that I'm going to be preaching next Sunday, Lord willing, uh, uh, is entitled The Big Picture. And, and somebody said, well, how do I, I just don't believe that you can plan messages that far ahead, preacher. I, I, I've got, I have friends of mine that, that actually do their message plan for a whole year in advance. I, I just don't believe that the, the Lord could be in that preacher. Well, listen. God is so sovereign, understand this with me. God is so sovereign that don't ever think that He doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow. 
Don't ever think that he doesn't know who will be here uh, next Sunday morning on Easter Sunday if he tarries his coming. You see, we don't know those things and we don't realize those things. But because God is so sovereign, because he knows everything, he knows what's going to happen long before it ever happens. He knew that humanity would fail. He knew that, that, that you would enter into the world and he knew that you and I would need a savior. You see, and, and this whole, this whole Palm Sunday as we call it, this whole triumphal entry, it speaks of the sovereignty of God. Paul introduces his letter to the Ephesians church, if you read the book of Ephesians, praising God for his sovereignty. When you read the book of Titus, when you read the introduction to the book of Titus, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms and every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will. God picked you before you even were. God picked me before I even was. How does God know that? Because God is sovereign in His person. God is sovereign in all He is. As Paul identifies through in Titus, in his letter to Titus, he identifies God's existence before time itself even began. You see, we think of everything. We we consider everything in the space of time. But you realize because God is eternal that, that He existed before there was time? Because God is eternal and we think of eternity, we sing that song when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun. And we think of eternity as lasting forever and ever. But, but with God, He existed forever and ever and He still exists and He will exist forever and ever into what we call the future for God is timeless in His existence. Peter records in First Peter chapter 1, he said he, speaking of Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. Jesus, on this Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday, the unveiling of Jesus in the fullness as Messiah begins to be fulfilled. Now we, we know, we, we understand, at least most of us I think do in this room, that, that, that the same people that spread the palm leaves and their cloaks out, uh, that honored Jesus, He entered into Jerusalem and, and, and he, he made His way from Bethany, He enters Jerusalem, He's fulfilling everything that Zechariah has promised. Everything that Zechariah had prophesied about is being fulfilled in Jesus, but yet, in just a few short days... He's going to be crucified. He's going to be beaten until the point of death. So nothing exists without the knowledge of God. Nothing occurs to His unawares. Keep in mind that the Lord is never taken by surprise. He has never taken, nothing that happens in your life ever takes God by surprise. It caught you off guard. It caught me off guard. And yes, we we wonder where it came from. How could this happen? But nothing ever takes God 
by surprise because he is sovereign in his existence. So the first takeaway from Palm Sunday is we see the sovereignty of God as it begins to be revealed and demonstrated as Jesus rides into Jerusalem. The Savior is revealed is the second point. The Savior is revealed. I've already mentioned Zechariah chapter 9. You can go back there. I'm not going to read it this morning for the sake of time. But in Zechariah chapter 9, you see the prophecy of the Messiah that's coming as the Redeemer of Israel, the Redeemer of the Jews. But 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 the prophecy was much bigger, I believe, personally than Zechariah even comprehended it himself because uh, Zechariah was looking at it more in the in the mindset of the nation of Israel if you would. But understand this, that the Lord Jesus Christ came not just to redeem a nation of people, a society of people, but He came to reveal and to save His own, which includes you and I. Yes, we were wild vines. We were grafted into the vines as Gentile people. But understand this, Jesus came in order that you and I could be saved. He began revealing Himself in this entry to Jerusalem. To the Jew, the Messiah was much more than just a savior or a friend, but the Messiah was going to be a conqueror. He was going to be a victor. He was going to be a king. That's why they couldn't comprehend. They, they, they were expecting some greater entry. They were expecting something more uh, uh, robust, if you would. They were expecting something more phenomenal, if you would. Not, not some rabbi to ride in on a donkey, even though it was prophesied that, that, that would be beaten and would be nailed to a cross, falsely accused. That's not what they were expecting. But we know that Jesus was... He was lowly and humble of heart. We know that Jesus was very much common in so many different ways. He was man, very common man, yet He was God. And we see that Savior revealed in the Palm Sunday entry. The next thing that we see occur is an unconditional love. Jesus knew what this week was going to hold. Because of his sovereignty, because because of, of all of the foreknowledge that he has, because Jesus is God. He knew what was he knew what was going to happen and unfold in the next several hours and days of time. He knew everything that was going to happen. But yet he chose to to ride into the city on that particular day. The glory shown to him during this entry, as I've already said, would only be short-lived because in just a few hours from now he would be betrayed. Be betrayed that one that would even, he would even wash his feet at the Passover meal. But yet Jesus had a mission and a commission from the Father to and the mission and the commission it began with the conception of Christ as he was conceived in the womb of Mary and it was fulfilled as he would rise from the grave after being laid there following the crucifixion and the massive beating that he would take but in spite of that Jesus Jesus paid it all he was willing to enter in i love that old song Jesus paid it all. 
He paid it all. All to Him I owe. Jesus, in His unconditional love, He still rode that donkey. And, I, and listen, some of you on Wednesday night, Sarah, Sarah and I have been, been going this really in-depth on Wednesday nights. And, uh, you know, you got one more Wednesday night to come and, and be a part of it. I urge you to come out to Wednesday night at 6.30. Pray and be a part of the Wednesday night as we minister, we, uh, continue to minister along this line of Passion Week. But understand with me, he, 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 he was submissive in the garden. That's where he was crushed in Gethsemane. That was the place of crushing. It was the olive garden. But even before that, Jesus is submissive as he rides into Jerusalem. And he rides into Jerusalem according to prophecy because prophecy was given by him because Jesus is Lord. The next thing that happens is we must understand on this Palm Sunday that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Throughout the ages of time, time as we know it, time that was created somewhat for the sake of man, Throughout the ages of time, atonement had been made for sin through blood sacrifice. We've all probably said it at some time, or at least we've heard it said, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. God provided a way through in the Old Testament through sacrifice and, and, and the priestly ordinances that were set in place. Why does God choose to use blood? Why, why would He, why couldn't He have done something else and realizing there are other, there are other sacrifices, excuse me, that were given in Scripture? But why, for the atonement of sin, why, why use blood? Perhaps it's because life exists in the blood. None of us, not a one of us in this room, not a one of us in this room can exist without blood in our body. In fact, if we, if our blood count goes down, we, we become weak and we become anemic, I think is the correct term for it. Without the blood, there's no life in us at all. You know, uh, you know, yes, surely, you know, our hearts can stop and the, the blood stops flowing, but the, the heart must have the blood. And in fact, heart attacks are caused because there is a restriction to the blood in our bodies. So blood is necessary. Life exists in the blood. True sacrifice was only made in the giving of the the best, the most valuable lamb. True sacrifice under the law was, was given through ultimate blood, if you would. And we come to the New Testament, we find that the, the sacrifice of, of animals was earthly, but the sacrifice of Jesus is both earthly and heavenly because again, Jesus is not only God, but He's also man. And because Jesus is God and He's also man, He, but yet He is sinless man. He is man without sin. All the accusations that are brought, brought against Him are false. He's God. And he's man. 
But he's man without sin. So then when you study scripture and you go to Hebrews, the ninth chapter, you can find there it outlines that the perfect sacrifice was made in Christ. It's the perfect blood. There, there is no, 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 no other, none other blood that could match the blood of Jesus. No other sacrifice that can match the sacrifice of Jesus. Nowhere, no way, at any time could there ever be a better sacrifice or atonement made than through and by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because God is sovereign. That was in His sovereign plan. That was in His sovereign will from the beginning. That was in His plan. Uh, uh, when, when, when Zechariah had prophesied, it was already in, uh, God's plan. When, when, uh, when Paul wrote and, and, and about that, and Peter wrote about that God was established before the foundations of the world ever exist, before you ever existed and I ever existed, that all of this is already planned out in the, in, 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 in the pre-time age, before time even existed, God had planned every bit of this out. Because He is God. And He is sovereign. And we see it on this Palm Sunday. We see the fruition of it, if you would. Not the completion, but we do see the fruition of it begin to unfold. As Jesus rides in from Bethany into Jerusalem on a foal of a donkey that had never been ridden before. It didn't belong to him. He just borrowed it. Yeah, have you ever thought about in this in this season? Jesus rode in on a borrowed donkey. He was crucified on a borrowed cross. And he was placed in a borrowed tomb. None of it actually belonged to him. And neither did the sin. The sin didn't belong to Jesus. It was my sin. And it was your sin. But he didn't just borrow the sin. You see, because the donkey was returned. Tradition would have it that the cross would be reused. The tomb would go back to its rightful owner. But the sin was taken forever and ever and ever. Have you ever thought about that? How remarkable is that? So we see as what's the big deal of this Palm Sunday? We see the unfolding of the plan of salvation. And it begins to proceed real quickly. It's about, the big deal is about the king of all creation. It's about the king of all creation that humbly came to earth a common man for the sake of all people. That includes you. That includes me. It includes the person sitting next to you. It includes your neighbors uh, that you live up and down the road around you. It includes the people that you work with. I've got news to you. It even includes the people that you don't like. Or that you don't care for. It, it, it means that, that this salvation, this, this, this sacrifice that was given, that was planned before time itself even existed. 
the big deal is it's because God loved us that much before we even were. Now, you and I have a problem with that. I want to tell you, if you, if you, if you say, well, I don't have a problem with that, you're really just saying that off the cuff because you and I really do have a problem with that because how can you love somebody you've never seen? How can you love somebody, you know, and, and right now we've, we've got th- people that get into these relationships online and, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm working with a, I'm working with some folks right now and not, not here in our church, okay, I, so don't start guessing, but I'm working with some people right now. The, this young lady has gotten, she has gotten involved in a relationship online through social media. And she, she, she thinks she's married to this guy because they did it online. And this guy's wanting money. Send me money. Send me money. Send, you know, send me money for this. I need, I need, you know, and, and, and so forth and so on. So, and, and, and she is very confused. She, it, it's a pseudo relationship. It's not real. It doesn't exist. They got digging and found out that this individual, his, his picture ends up on a bunch of different profiles, if you would. And he, so he's got a bunch of relationships going on. A bunch of people needing to send him $50. So sometimes we have struggled with identifying. But when we, but when we begin to think about, when we think about how did Jesus love us before we were. How did Jesus love you before you even existed? I've got a good answer for you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but I do know this. I do know that the love of God surpasses all understanding. We can't imagine it. Our, our brains can't calculate it. We could put all of our brains and all of your intelligence and all of our minds together in this room and we still would not understand the love that God has for us. But in faith, I believe that. Because I believe the Word of God is true. And, and in faith, I trust the Lord that He loved me before, he, before I ever was. And in faith, I believe that He loved you before you ever you ever were. But in the natural, as we often call it, in the natural sense, in the human sense, let me tell you something. I can also sense the love of God that He has for me. I, I can sense it when when I'm having a bad day. Let me tell you something. I don't be honest with you this morning. I've been having a bad day since last night. Okay. I didn't sleep much last night. I've been dealing with some things, not physical things, but I've been dealing with that. I've been in some spiritual warfare. I don't know why, but this young man right here sent me a message last night. Praise for you, Pastor. He didn't have a clue. I don't get it. He didn't have a clue. This morning, another pastor sent me a message. Man, he said, I want you to know, I'm praying for you. I'm pulling for you, you know, so forth and so on. And, and, And you know what? It seems like in many ways it's been an uphill struggle all morning long. 
you know, my, you know, we couldn't get this to work or that didn't work. This didn't happen. That didn't happen. All the piano players are sick. All of them are out this morning. You know, one thing after another, after another, after another. But you know what? When somebody sends me a message and said, man, I don't know what you need today, but I'm praying for you. When somebody last night just sent me a simple message and said, pray for this pastor. You know what? That tells me that God loves me. He loves me and He cares for me. That don't mean I ain't going through some stuff, but He still loves me and He's still caring for me. And guess what? He loves you and He's caring for you as well. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It's not about what any of us what's happened in any of our lives. Okay? And I don't, I'm not looking for sympathy. I appreciate prayers, but I'm not looking for sympathy. I just want to say, I know God loves me. And whatever I'm going through, I can depend on Him. Because He loves me. He loves me with a love that is that is closer than any brother can love me. And I don't have a brother. I just have one sister. She's a whole lot older than me and got a whole lot more money than I'm better looking My wife loves me. God loves me more. You didn't say amen, Sister Sarah. Oh, I didn't hear you. you didn't hear My wife loves me. God loves me more. And His love, the big deal, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, again, it was the beginning of the unfolding of the greatest demonstration of love that could ever be made. For the Bible says this, it says no greater love has any man than the way that life for you. And that's exactly what Jesus And He knew you before you were. He knows you where you're at. He knows you where you've been. And He knows you where you're going. In spite of that, He loves you. And He loves me. He just wants us to submit ourselves to Him ourselves to Him. Give our hearts and our lives to Him. I'm about your heads. With your heads bowed, I ask you to go ahead and close your eyes. I want to ask you a question. If you're in this room this morning or if you're watching by live stream and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, course, live stream, I can't see your hand raised, but you can go ahead and raise it. Room, real quickly, if you've never been saved, or if you've been saved, you've drifted far away from God, and you need to come back home. I just want you to look at your hands and pray for me, Pastor, right now. Anybody in this room? Real quick, I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to you. One person. I assume by that that everybody's, everybody's comfortable in your walk. I assume by that everybody's comfortable that that if you leave here this morning and and your number should be called and you know what I mean by that I think your number should be called out everything's well everything's good your friends of mine and Sarah some pastor friends of ours yesterday morning posted on the social media page we need prayer we 
just received news a few hours ago our daughter had passed away. I'm guessing probably it's not about age or any of that stuff. Are you ready to meet Jesus today? Anybody in this room that would say, I need to make my life Okay, if not, that's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand with your feet. And we're going to worship the Lord in this place for just a little bit. We're going to give praise to God. We're going to worship Him. And then we're going to have a special time of prayer. And I'm going to ask the Etheridge family to come down. And, and we're going to anoint them and pray for them. As they're getting closer, ever more closer to head to Romania. I just believe God is going to bring great fruit out of your Maybe some of you have a need in body. Maybe some of you have a special prayer request that you want prayed over. And I, we'd like for you to come as well. But just before we come, I just want you right now to raise your hand. And as you raise your hand, I want you to thank Jesus for His blood. I want you to thank Jesus, thank Jesus for His sovereignty. Thank Him for His goodness over your life, we just praise you. We bless you. We thank you for today because you are good. You are great. You are greatly to be praised. Lord, today we bless you in the holy name. We worship you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you loved us more than you before. We were. Lord, we thank you that you loved us more than you loved us in the entire world before it existed. God, we love you. Thank you for your love. Lord, I don't understand it all. I didn't. It's hard to but Lord, I believe it and I receive it today. I thank you You are close like no other. Today, Lord, I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Lord, I've known you as a friend. And I have in the goodness of God.
will see of the goodness. 